Well, good morning, church. How are you guys doing this morning? Good? It's good to see all of you here. And if you're our guest, if this is your first time here, if you're watching online for the first time, I want to introduce myself. My name is Aaron, and I am the lead pastor here at NCC. And we are so glad that you're joining with us this morning. This is our fourth week and our final week in this series called True Love in Bloom. And we've been having these conversations about what love looks like in our life, what God's Word says about love. And so we wanted to do something fun to kick off um, the message this morning. And so we're going to play a little game here um, with a few couples. I want to invite them to the stage. This is NCC's newlywed game. And if you would welcome to the stage, Chris and Eve, Willie and Chaka, Nick and Letty, if you guys would come forward, you guys can each grab a seat up here. Now, if you've seen the newlywed game, you know how this works. Just pick, pick one, of the tab- uh, one of the seats there. There's a little whiteboard. There's a little marker, okay? So we're going to ask some questions. You guys can play in the audience if you want to, if you're here with your significant other, okay, with the person that you love. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read this. We're going to kind of go fast, okay? You're going to write down your answer, and then we'll compare answers, and we'll start tallying the scores, okay? First question, here we go. Guys, what is your wife's favorite restaurant, okay? It's date night. You're going to take her out. Where are you taking her to? Do you know where it is that she wants to go eat? So really quickly, first thing that pops in your mind, Willie, don't be looking back there, okay? You face forward. You should know this, right? You guys got some years there in marriage. Here we go. Just write down first thing that pops in your mind. Write it down. Okay, Chris and Eve, it looks like you guys got something. Chris wrote Chewy's and you wrote Texas Roadhouse. They're going to two separate places, you guys. They're not going to end up together. Okay, what do you guys got? Shaka said BJ's, and he said Cheesecake Factory. We're not off to a good start. What have we got? McDonald's and blank. She's not going anywhere with them. Okay, go ahead and erase that. Go ahead and erase that. Okay, clear the board here. Here we go. Question number two. Ladies, you're in the car. What is your husband's favorite band or music artist? He's turning on the radio. What is it that he wants to hear? His favorite band or music artist? What is that? Do you know what kind of music your husband likes? Okay, write it down. First thing, just really quickly. You guys are racing and starting over. Huh? Nope. Nope. So you're writing down yours, and then she's going to match that. Feeling confident, shocker, or no? No. Okay, what do you got here? Here we go. Mighty Clouds of Glory Gospel and Marvin Gaye. Okay, two different things there. Okay, who do we got? Eve, you wrote down a whole bunch of bands. Uh, no, Avatar, Avatar, Parkway Drive, any, any metal music. Metal music, and he wrote metal music? Okay, we got our first point on the board. Great job. I got Creed, and I got Three Doors Down. Okay, here we go. Next question. Where was your first kiss? Not talking about where on your body, okay? Let's keep it clean. Talking about where was your first kiss, your first location. Where was that first kiss at? See if you remember this. Some of you guys, this is a little bit further back. See how special that first kiss was? Do you remember where it was at? Willie's thinking. Letty, you're still thinking or you got it? Okay. 
So Letty's saying, my sister's place, your sister's house. Yes, they got it right there. Okay, Chris, what do you got? Taco dinner? Yeah, parking. Parking of taco dinner after first date. They got it. Okay, we got a point there. Chaka, what do you got? At my old apartment? Home? Whose home is that? That's her home? Okay, we'll give that point to him. There we go. Great job. Here we go. Guys, where's your wife's dream vacation? Dream vacation. You're going to take her on her dream vacation. Where are you going with her? Okay, so this isn't what you want. This is where she wants to go, okay? Letty, you got it yet? Okay, here we go. I got Paris and I got Paris. Nick and Letty, great job. Chris said Ireland and Eve said Disney or Hawaii. Shaka said Spain and Willie, what do you got? Nothing. I got a blank canvas. Judges, what's my score? Do we have a leader at this point? We got a tie. Okay, last question. Here we go. Are you guys ready? Ladies, your husband's come home from a hard day at work. You're going to make him his favorite food. What are you cooking for him? His favorite food. What is it that he wants to eat? His absolute favorite thing to eat. You're going to write that down. This is our last question right here. You got to get this one right. Okay, Letty, what do you got? I don't even know how to pronounce that. What is that? Pozole. Pozole. And Nick has the same thing. They got it right. Okay. Chris, what have you got? Pizza. Eve said, I don't cook. Okay. <laughs> that's a good answer, but that's not what we're looking for. And you said, steak, and you've got sweet potato pie. Do I have a winner? I got team three. Give it up for Nick and Letty. We have a gift for you guys. Here you guys go so much. There you go. Thank you. You guys can head back to your seats. Great job. Let's give them all a hand again. There are some chocolates in that gift bag and some gift certificates and everything. So we hope you enjoy those. Well, as I mentioned, we're in our last week of this series, True Love in Bloom. And we're talking about how we allow love to grow in our life. Just wanted to have a little fun starting off there. And today, this message applies to everyone in the room, okay? So once again, whether you're looking for love, whether you're in love, whether you've lost love in your life, this is a message that you can take with you because we are talking about love and war. And it doesn't matter who you are, there are conflict in relationships, whether it's the person that you're married to, whether it's at work, a family member, a friend, there are going to be principles here that we can take and apply to our life as we look at this idea of love and war and how we manage that conflict that we find in the relationships that God has given us. And so I wanted to start, I was just looking and thinking, hey, what is it that causes conflict? What are the things that we fight about? Okay, If you've been in love, if you've been in a relationship, some of these are probably going to sound really familiar. Okay, As they've done studies, they said the number one conflict you're going to have like in a marriage relationship, in a love relationship, is over money, okay? You're going to fight about money. That's what you're going to argue about is we don't have enough money. How are we spending our money? What are we doing with the money we have? Okay, that becomes a source of conflict in our relationship. And a matter of fact, one of the number one reasons people cited for getting divorced, it's finances, okay? 
It's that stress, that pressure about the money that you have. It causes conflict in our relationships. For those people that are married, the second reason that they fight, it's about sex, okay? So we talked about this last week, but this is a gift from God, and the enemy wants to use it as a weapon in our life. He wants to use it to drive us apart, to cause issues in our relationship. And so as a married couple, according to God's word, we need to be talking about this, right? We need to to be having these discussions that cause and that lead us to a healthy sexuality inside of our marriage relationship. And so that becomes a point of conflict. We argue about work. We argue about the kids, how we're going to raise them. We argue about who's going to do the household chores, Okay, this made the top list here. So we always encourage couples whenever we're sitting down talking to them, you need to make a list. If you're, it doesn't matter, you're five years, 10 years in marriage and you've not done this, this could be really helpful is you separately each get a sheet of paper and you write down who does this. Growing up, who took out the garbage? Who paid the bills? Who took the kids to sports activities? Who, who's responsible for doing laundry, right? You just write all of these down. You can put, um, it was my dad, it was my mom, or it was both, right? And then you begin to talk about that. So many times we have expectations that we've never vocalized. And all of a sudden I'm feeling, they don't love me. You know, he doesn't love me or the wife's feeling like, you know, she doesn't love me. The husband's feeling that, right? They don't love me. Why? Because they're not doing this. And this is how my dad or my mom showed love and they're not doing that. And all of a sudden these unspoken expectations become a point of conflict. You need to be talking about these things. As I was thinking about this message, I thought about July 25th, 1999. Sarah and I had been married one year. This was our one year anniversary. And because it was our first anniversary, we wanted to do something fun, but Sarah was seven and a half months pregnant with Josiah, um, one of our older guys. And we knew that we couldn't you know, go somewhere far. So we lived in Dallas and we decided to do a staycation. And so I remember I got on 35. This is before smartphones and Siri could tell you where to go. I got on 35, headed up, got on 635, and I was going over towards the Grapevine area. There used to be this large hotel off of 635 called Wilson World Hotel. And so we had made a reservation, and I'm pulling up. I'm driving down 635. I can see it. It's a very large building, and I can see it right there. And so I exit on the exit ramp that I'm supposed to get off of. I go um, underneath the overpass there and I circle back around on the service road and I'm gonna pull in. But as I'm making my way, it's right there. The hotel's massive. I can see it right there and I'm going down the service road, but I can't find a place to pull into the hotel. There's no way to get there from the service road. But in my mind, I think I just missed it. It's gotta be there, right? This is a big hotel. There's gotta be a way to get in there. And so what do I do? What all guys do, I act like I know what I'm doing. I get back on the highway, right? I circle back around, I make the loop, and I do the same thing. Now, about the second time, Sarah's smarter than me, okay? She says, Aaron, I don't think there's a way to get in there, but I knew there was a way, you guys, right? I'm a guy, I'm 20 years old, I don't need directions, I know what I'm doing. You guys, 15 minutes, I'm circling around 635 over and over again. The same thing. I'm just thinking I'm missing it. And Sarah's starting to get frustrated, but we've only been married a year. So she's trying to be patient. She's saying, Aaron, there is not, you need to go the back way, right? There's some back entrance or, or something. You cannot get in this way. And so finally, after 20 minutes, I said, Hey, I think I'm wrong. 
I think I may have messed up somewhere. And, and so I followed her instructions. I, I went in, like she told me to, instead of turning down the service right, I went down this side road. And, and of course, we got into our hotel. And I learned something. I learned a couple of things in that moment. Guys, take notes on this. Your wife is probably right, okay? That's just a great standard to hold there, right? Like, especially when it comes to directions, like the woman is probably right. You need to listen to her. And so I learned that. But I also learned this story. It has something to do with conflict because many times we get in that same stuck position and we just do the same thing over and over again. And there are couples that have been married five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and they're having the same issues of conflict because they're not stepping back and listening to the wisdom from God's word. They're not stepping back and listening to the wisdom from other people. And so their marriage, it feels stuck. And you hear things like, man, I don't think we're in love anymore. We just seem to argue. We just seem to fight. It's like that in other relationships that we have. And so this morning, we want to open up God's word and see what it says about conflict and check our own hearts and see how we can grow in this area of our lives. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them this morning to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading at verse 31. And if you don't have a Bible, you didn't bring one with you, that's okay. There's a Bible in the seat in front of you, and it may be just one seat over. You can take that out and turn to page 569. And I want to encourage everyone to do that, to have God's Word open in front of them. Turn to page 569, and we're going to be reading just these two verses here and looking at what God's Word says. And if you're here and you're like, I've never read the book of Ephesians. What's going on in chapter 4? Like, what's happening? This is a letter that this person named Paul wrote. This is a couple of decades after Jesus was here on the earth. So Jesus came, he died, he gave his life on the cross, and then he was resurrected. And then the church is growing, it's spreading. And so they would write these letters, church leaders would write these letters, and they would read them on a Sunday morning just like this. And these letters not only talk about our relationship with God, but they put very practical things in these letters, like how do you, how do you handle marriage relationships? What do you do with conflict like we're going to read? How do you handle finances? How do you take care? What do you do when you see those in need around you? And so these letters have so much wisdom about different areas of our life. And so Paul is writing this to the church in Ephesus. That's why it's called Ephesians. And this is what he says to them about conflict. Ephesians 4, um, chapter 4, verse 31 says this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from your life, along with all malice. So let's just pause there. What's Paul saying? Hey, there's going to be conflict in your life. You're going to get into situations. You're going to get upset. But here's what I want to challenge you with. In those moments when you're upset, in those moments where you're not seeing eye to eye with someone else, right? Make sure that there's not bitterness, that there's not wrath, anger, clamor, slander, that those things are put away from your life. They're not present with you along with all malice. Why is Paul writing this to church? Why does he say, okay, I want you to get up on a Sunday morning and I want you to read this and talk about what this looks like? Because it doesn't matter if it's 2,000 years ago, 200 years ago, two weeks, people are people. And we're all going to have conflict. We're all going to have issues. Paul knows that. He knows even in a church setting that there are going to be times where we get upset with one another, where we don't see things the same. But Paul is saying in those moments, right, when you're at work, in those moments when you're in your family, in those moments when you're with your friend and you get upset, there's conflict. You don't see eye to eye. Make sure these things are not present in your life bitterness, slander, right? Wrath, that these things aren't present there because what Paul wants you to know that what you fight with matters. 
What you fight with matters. I'm not saying who. You know, that's a different message that we could talk about, having the right conversation with the right people. But this morning, I'm talking to you about what you fight with matters. And Paul is saying you can get in this um, kind of conflict. You can get upset with the person that you love and something can come out. You can pull out a weapon of bitterness. And all of a sudden, we were just talking about why can't you pick up your clothes and actually put them in the laundry hamper instead of laying them all on the floor. But all of a sudden, I pull out resentment. And we're no longer just having a conversation about the clothes on the floor. I pull out this weapon in my life of what someone else has done and how I'm upset with them and bitterness is pulled out of my life. And I start attacking that person with that, right? That's what Paul is saying can happen. All of a sudden anger comes out. Like this was just kind of a calm situation. Someone asked me, hey, could you please do this? But now all of a sudden, man, I'm on my guard. I'm angry. And this like intense kind of hatred or dislike comes out inside of our life. See, I can begin to fight with those things instead of what God's word challenges us to fight with. And that's what Paul is saying. What's coming out of your life? Like what's there in those intense conflict moments? Do you find slander where you start belittling someone else? Like you can't win the argument, so you're gonna start to call them names and put them down. And instead of treating them with respect and love, all of a sudden you're telling them how awful of a person that they are. You've just made it personal. Why? Because you're fighting with a different weapon. You're fighting with something else than other than what God's word challenges us to fight with. So what you fight with matters. And so we talk about this a lot whenever we're doing pre-engagement counseling before couples get married, is we say, hey, you should fight, okay? As a couple, you should fight, but you need to fight fair. And there's some ways that you fight fair. This is how we describe this. We say, hey, when you're fighting fair, you don't go historical or you don't go hysterical. Okay, so you can write that down. Okay, that's a good one to remember. Do not go historical, do not go hysterical. Let me tell you what I mean by that, okay? It's where you're, you're having a conversation. Maybe you're having a conflict with someone and all of a sudden you were talking about this moment, something that happened right now and they're bringing something that happened six months ago, right? We do this as parents sometimes with our kids. I hate to admit this, but we do this. Hey, you always do this. Or remember you did this a long time ago. We go historical with the conversation instead of talking about, hey, here's what's happening in this moment. Here's what's taking place right now. And if we want to fight fair, we need to make sure that we're having the conversation that we're supposed to be having right now. Now, I'm not saying ignore the past. I'm not saying, hey, never talk about that. But in the middle of a heated argument, I'm not bringing up something else, right? I'm not trying to dump more gasoline on the fire. I'm trying to have the conversation that we're supposed to be having right now. And so I'm not going historical in the past. I find different times, right, where we're not upset, where I can bring up, hey, I noticed this happened before and we never addressed this. We need to talk about it. In the moment of conflict, that is not that time. I don't go historical. I leave words out and you should leave words out like you always, you never, okay, because those are superlatives, right? They're, they're bringing up past things that really don't have a place in the moment of the discussion that you're having. Don't go hysterical. Don't let your emotions run wild. Don't be controlled by your emotions. Let me say this. Don't manipulate others with your emotions. That's part of being hysterical, right? Where I think, oh, I can't control them. No, I control my emotions. They don't control me, okay? They're there to serve me. I'm not there to serve them. 
Okay, so my emotions, they're indicators of maybe what's going on on the inside of me, but they are not controlling my behavior. I'm not losing control light. I'm not losing my temper or losing my emotions because of what's going on. They may be a signal of what's happening, but I have control of them in this conversation that we're having. Also, I'm not using them to manipulate other people, right? I'm not doing that to twist the emotions of the person that I'm with. I'm fighting fair in the situation that I'm in. Another article that I read, this was really good, said, you need to localize and not globalize. And they gave a few examples, but it was a great reminder of, hey, sometimes it's just a small thing. Like, can you put the cap back on the toothpaste so it doesn't get dried out? And we make it World War III, you guys, right? Like we make this like an atomic bomb just got dropped or this is something massive. I knew you never loved me. You never really cared about me. Wait, I thought it was just the toothpaste, right? I just put the cap back on there. That's all. And, and so we localize, we don't globalize, right? We, we don't blow something out of proportion. If it's small, then just address that, right? Don't make it World War III and make it this massive thing. Talk about, once again, what it is that you're supposed to really be talking about. And so we say that, fight fair, don't allow bitterness, don't allow slander, don't allow hatred to come through in the conversations that you're having. Yes, I know it's frustrating, but make sure you're having the conversations that you're supposed to and that your heart is in the right place. And can I, let me just be honest here for a second is we're not going to hit this 100% of the time, okay? If you were looking for the perfect person, it's not going to happen. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to make mistakes. And when we do, we have to apologize, and that's one of the most important things you can do in your relationship when it comes to conflict is in that moment when discussions are getting heated, right? Where, where your volume is raising, where you're getting frustrated with that family member, whoever that is, you need to just step back and say, you know what? I think there's some bitterness right here in my heart and it's coming across in what we're talking about and it shouldn't. And I'm sorry, that's not who I wanna be. Or hey, th there's, there's some hatred there. I don't know where it's coming from or some frustration and I need to put that away in my life. Like, I'm sorry if that's coming through and I'm not really talking about what we need to talk about here. I'm letting other things influence me. I apologize. I wanna have a healthy conversation. It's owning those things. It's discussing that. When you address them, that's part of putting those things away from your life, acknowledging that they're there, but that you don't want them to control you. This is what Paul is talking about. And once again, it's not covering everything up it's admitting it there. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26, just a few verses before what we just read. Paul says, be angry. Okay, the Bible tells you, you can be upset. Be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. And so the Bible says, hey, there are gonna be times where you're upset, frustrated. Once again, you're taking two different people and trying to bring them together and make that work. And that's difficult at times because you're not always gonna see things eye to eye. And so there's gonna be moments of frustration. But what he's saying is don't allow your anger, don't allow when you're upset to bring sin into your life. A couple of years ago, I noticed that there were moments where I was getting really frustrated with Sarah and with my kids. And I thought, man, I don't, I don't wanna be that kind of person. Like, I don't wanna let those things control me. And so I thought, I wanna do something about that. I want to give my kids healthy emotions. You know, a lot of times we think about, am I giving my kids the right education? Am I giving them the right sports activities and, and shaping their life? Like, am I giving my kids the right finances and I'm providing for them, I'm taking care of their needs? We don't often think, hey, I'm called to give my kids healthy emotions. 
And I didn't always have a good handle on that growing up and into my young adulthood. And so I thought, I need help with this. And so I went and saw a counselor. And for a number of months, I was meeting with the counselor and I set out some goals like, hey, I just want to become more healthy in my emotions, how I express them, what my kids see and how I process through those. I want my kids to be able to do that. And so I need to learn to do that. And so we set out some goals and and through this process, through the course of these months of going to a counselor, he shared this idea with me. He said, Aaron, you're addressing anger in your life, but anger is never a base emotion. It's always a symptom of something else. And I said, I don't know what you mean. You're going to have to explain that to me. And and he challenged me with this thought is it's always addressing that something else is there. It's like a sign. It's like a blinking sign saying, hey, something else is wrong. You need to get to the root of this issue. And I started to look at my life and, and I identified some things. My kids would be out in the backyard and we have a trampoline with this thin net, right? That it's not meant to hold a lot. And yet they will run and like bounce up against the net, right? Full body weight. Or, or they'll be doing backflips back flips off the trampoline. And I run outside and I am mad, right? I'm yelling at them. Don't be stupid. What do you think you're doing? You're gonna... And all of a sudden, when I step back, I think I'm not really angry with them. I'm afraid in that moment because Gabriel's broken his arm and Aiden's broken his arm. And as a parent, I don't want them to keep getting hurt, right? Like I can see the danger there, but it's not really like I'm mad at them. It's more, I'm afraid, I want to protect them as a parent. I don't want them to injure themselves. Or how about this one? You're in a grocery store, a department store, right? And this parent's just going off on this little kid. They're yelling at them, right? They're so mad. And a lot of times, once again, it's fear because I don't want other people to think that my kid is bad or that he's misbehaving or that I'm a horrible parent. And you look like a horrible parent when you're yelling at your kids, but for whatever reason, that doesn't register, right? I don't want people to think I'm a bad parent. And and so it comes across as anger, but that's not really what it is. I'm concerned, right? Maybe I'm concerned about the perspective of others. And this goes into so many areas of my life where I'll be in a discussion with Sarah and I'll notice my voice is starting to raise and I'll say, wait a minute, I'm not even frustrated with you. I got this whole other thing over here that I'm stressed about that maybe I haven't given control over to God, maybe I'm not trusting God with, but I'm taking it out on you. And I'm bringing it into this conversation. It looks like I'm mad about that, but really it's worry in my life. It's stress, right? You're in a heated conversation with someone you love, but really it's about betrayal from three relationships ago that you've never dealt with, that you've never addressed, but you're bringing it into this situation. It can come across as anger, So many times it's something else and we allow sin to enter our lives. We allow the enemy to get a foothold and to open up that door in our life and enter in when really God's word is challenging us. Hey, don't be angry about that. Don't don't allow anger to bring in sin into your life. And so it does, it matters what you're fighting with, right? Are you fighting according to God's word and according to wisdom or are you allowing other things, slander and malice and these things to be present in your life? He goes on in this verse, not to only challenge us what shouldn't be in our lives, but what should be present. When you have conflict, what should your life look like? And he gives just these few words. He says, be kind to one another and be tenderhearted. Be kind to one another and be tenderhearted. When you're mad at someone, you can kill them, but kill them with kindness, okay? That's what God's word says, kill them with kindness. And I don't mean physically kill them. What I mean is go overboard with kindness. So many times you're in a conflict, right? You're upset with someone. And what's the automatic thing to do? You want to withhold love. Okay, I'm going to let them know how I really feel. I'm not going to say anything. 
and they're going to have to figure it out, right? They're going to figure out why I'm at. We withhold from people. And God's word actually says, no, you, you're kind to one another. It's in those moments where conflict is happening, where you're upset, that you begin to look at, hey, how can I serve? How can I use my words not to tear someone down, but to actually build them up? How do I demonstrate the love that Christ has shown for me with other people? And so I'm showing kindness to them. And, and let me say this, not sarcastically. You guys have all seen this, right? Okay, honey, I guess I'll do that for you because I love you. All right, dear, we'll do it your way then, right? And, and that's not really kindness. Like it, it may sound like kindness by what we're saying, but our attitude and the tone that we're saying it in says something else. And that's not what the Bible is talking about. It's not talking about being sarcastic and just trying to say the right things, but actually it comes down to a heart issue. And in your heart, are you serving one another? Are you loving one another? Even in that moment when you're upset, have you looked and have you checked your heart? Once again, I can remember, this was before Sarah and I, we were even married. We were um, in Waxahachie and we were at a Bible college down there. And I know this is gonna be hard to believe because we have an amazing marriage, but we got in a fight, right? And it was a big fight. And I can't even remember what it was about. I still remember being mad at her though, right? And so she walks off, I walk off, and I'm sitting there stewing for a few moments. And I don't know if I got in the last word or if she got in the last word, but I want to pick up that phone and let her know why she's wrong, right? Or I want to write her this note and let her know what I think about her in that moment. And thankfully, God's spirit just checked me. And instead, I walked from the little Bible college there down at the end of the street, it was probably about a mile and a half or maybe a little bit more. I walked into a little grocery store that was there, went to the checkout counter, bought a York peppermint patty because that's Sarah's favorite candy or it was at that time. And I walked back to the college and I went up to her and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And I gave that to her because what God's spirit challenged me in that moment is you're called to serve her. And I put you in this relationship. I gave you that love that you have for Sarah not for your own gain, not for what you can get out of it, not so that you can prove you're right, but simply to serve her and to love her and to help her become the best version of what I want her to be. And I realized in that moment, God, my heart was not in the right place. And so many times we have to remind our kids of this. We have to challenge them with this, that you can be right in the argument and yet you can be so wrong. And you may think that I'm trying to help them, right? I just want them to know the truth. I'm trying to help them and figure that out. And you're helping them by yelling at them and telling them the truth is really hurting them. And in that moment, it really doesn't matter who was right about the argument. What matters is, are you serving one another? Are you being kind to one another? Is your heart correct in that moment? Are you being tenderhearted and you're being compassionate in that moment in loving one another? It doesn't matter who's gonna win the argument. If you want to save your marriage, if you want to grow your marriage, you want love to be alive, then you have to sacrifice your wants and your desires sometimes to serve that other individual. That's what God's word is challenging us with. There are going to be conflicts in your life, but you have to serve one another and give to one another. He ends this passage with this right here, this idea where he says, hey, when conflict happens, when there's love, when there's war inside of our love relationships, what do we do? He ends by saying, you forgive one another just as God in Christ forgave you. He said, you're gonna have relationships. You're gonna get upset with each other 
And how should this end? You forgive one another. Why? Because that's what God did. As Christ came, that's what he gave his life for, right? For our forgiveness, for our sin, for what we've gone through. And so what do we do in relationships? We walk in forgiveness. Now, let me explain this because sometimes we've gotten a wrong idea about this. This doesn't mean we become a doormat for someone else. It doesn't mean that we just allow abuse in our life. That's not what I'm talking about. And I don't believe that's what the Bible means when it's talking about forgiveness. What does forgiveness means? mean? It means you don't owe me anything anymore. See, when I'm walking around with unforgiveness, I'm looking for revenge. Like you're gonna pay for what you did right? You're going to pay for that wrong that you committed against me. I'm holding that against you. And at some point you have a debt that you need to pay up. You're being charged that. But when I forgive, it's me saying, you know what? You don't owe me anything for that. I'm not holding that against you. I'm not holding on to that wrong and, and thinking, hey, you need to somehow do something to make that right. That's, that's not what I'm doing. I'm forgiving you. Once again, trust is a process that has to be rebuilt. It's not automatic with forgiveness. Sometimes betrayal happens and trust has to be rebuilt over time. But when I'm forgiving, I'm not holding it in my heart. I'm not allowing bitterness to grow inside of me. And so I forgive. Why? Because that's what Christ did to us. God's word says that you and I, we were enemies of the cross. Through our actions, through our attitudes, we told God, I want nothing to do with you. I want to do this my own way, right? I've got my own mindset. And so the Bible says that, that we were enemies of God. And yet in that moment, still while we hated him, still while we wanted nothing to do with him, what did he do? He gave his life. He went to the cross for you and for me, for my sin. He forgave us. He paid the debt that our sin owed, right? He paid that debt that you and I owed to God because of the wrong that we had committed, the price that sin demanded. Christ stepped in the balance and he paid that for us. You guys, when a perfect God can do that for us, how can we withhold that from someone else? I know that's hard to hear, but when God has so vastly demonstrated his love, how can we say, you know what? I don't know if I can forgive that person. That's what Christ has done for us. And I want to challenge you this morning. You're going to have conflict in your relationships. It may be in a marriage relationship. It may be in a work relationship. It may be with family members. There are going to be times where you're going to be upset with one another. You need to examine your heart and say, God, is there something I'm bringing into this argument, bitterness, malice that should not be there, Lord? I need you to take that away. I need those things to be put away from my life. God, can you help me be kind to those around me to love those that you've placed in my life. God, help me to be that individual. And then Lord, when a wrong's been committed, help me to forgive. Jesus, because that's what you've done for me. You've forgiven me. This is the kind of people that God is calling us to be. If we want to allow love to grow in our life, we're going to have to do these things.